0: In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Well, our reading for today, and so the focus of our time together this morning, is on the book of Hosea. And I'm I'm just kind of curious, there's uh, no judgment here this morning, but how many of you can remember the last sermon you heard on the book of Hosea? (laughs) I see no hands. If you've only been worshiping here for the last three and a half years, and it's been at least that long because I've, I've never preached on it. Uh, I thought I'd ask again, no judgment, just curious. How many of you can remember the last time you read from the book of Hosea? Okay, a few hands. Good, good, good. Yeah, uh, I'm, I was excited about today. Today's gonna be a fun day because it is somewhat uncharted territory for some of us, uh, uh, at least maybe a, a new frontier we're going to be diving into as we look at this book that may be unfamiliar to us. Uh, I say the book may be unfamiliar, the person of Hosea may be unfamiliar to you, but I, I think we're going to see it is going to be a very familiar message, uh, a wonderful, beautiful message of, of love that will be very familiar to it. Uh, but, but Hosea, it's a, a really fun read if, if you have time. Uh, and Hosea was a really interesting guy. I can't wait to meet him one day. Uh, he he has some stories to tell as as we'll hear. Uh, Hosea was another one of God's prophets. We read about another one last week, the prophet Elijah. And Hosea is a, another one in the long line of God's prophets, God's spokesman, the, the people that God chose to speak his message through, the, the people that were sent to, to speak to the people of Israel, God's people, and turn them around and get them back on track, bring them to repentance and faith. That's Hosea, another one of those guys. Uh, and yet Hosea is a little unique, He's a little different uh, in that Hosea didn't just speak for God, but in, in fact, Hosea's entire life, in a sense, God used, I suppose as you could say, as a living object lesson. Uh, the number one example of this, and, and most people, if they know anything about Hosea, it's this story. It, it comes from early in, in the book, where God commanded Hosea to marry a woman named Gomer. And this was not a marriage born out of love. Uh, This was an arranged marriage. Uh, God was doing the arranging. And God was using this marriage and this relationship uh, to teach a lesson to the rest of the people of Israel. And, And this was the message. You see, God told Hosea to marry Gomer. And Gomer was an adulterous, unfaithful prostitute of a woman. Quite the life Hosea had. Can you imagine God knocking on your door and saying, I want you to marry that woman? Uh, But that's what God did. And, And the lesson in that was this, that just as Gomer was going to be unfaithful and adulterous towards Hosea, So had God's people, Israel, been adulterous and unfaithful to God. They had worshipped other God, bowed down to all sorts of idols along the way. And so just as Gomer was unfaithful and adulterous to Hosea, Israel, God's people, had been adulterous and unfaithful to him. They had spurned his love. And, And yet, Hosea was called to be faithful to Gomer through all of her unfaithfulness, through all of her adultery, Hosea was called to, to remain with her, to be persistent in his love for her. And the lesson there was, was that God was going to be persistent and faithful in his love to Israel despite how many times they had wandered off, no matter whose arms and false gods they had ended up in, that God would continue to love them just like Hosea was to continue to love Gomer. It was an amazing way that God taught this lesson and yet a beautiful lesson there of this persistent, faithful love That God had. Uh, That was the lesson in that story. But today, I think the the theme is the same. It just comes to us different Uh, today. God isn't using in the in the reading we heard Hosea's life as this object lesson. And today, instead, what we get is somewhat of a love letter, a love letter not between Hosea and his wife Gomer, but between God, the loving Father, and Israel, his beloved children. Uh, So today, I actually brought with me, I I actually uh, did a little digging this morning, and I found this. This is a letter that my parents wrote to me on my confirmation day. Uh, This is a special possession to me. They wrote this letter. Uh, It's a letter of love, uh, a letter telling me how proud they are of me on my confirmation. Uh, I was just a teenager when they wrote me this letter, but I, I still have it today, and maybe some of you parents have written letters to your kids at important moments in their life, like at their confirmation or maybe their baptism or maybe their wedding day. You wrote a little note to them. And, and that's what we have today. This love letter between a father, God, and his children Israel. And and we heard it today. He, he outlines all the, the amazing love that, that he has for his kids, right? And if you want to flip open to page five in your bulletin, you can read about it. It's there in verse one. He says, when Israel was a child, I loved him and I called him. God knows us, his people by name. He He says in verse 3 that that he taught his people how to walk like a loving father, right? He was there taking them by the arms. He says in verse 4 that he led them with these cords of human kindness, with ties of love, right? He wanted to unite and bind himself to them. That's how close he wanted to be with them. He says he was like one who lifts them up like a little child to the cheek, right? This precious image that's given. He bends down to feed them. He cares for their daily needs, right? God is outlining in a letter to his kids how much he cares for them. Uh, The letter God wrote wasn't to just a bunch of teenagers, like my parents wrote a letter to teenage me at my confirmation, but the truth is the people in Israel have been acting like teenagers. Uh, All this love that God outlines to them, they have just ignored it, They've taken it for granted, and they have pushed it away. And we read about that too, right? In, in verse 2, despite the fact that God loved them and called for them, they went away from He. right? They spurned, rejected his love. Uh, it, it says in verse 2 as well that they sacrificed to these foreign gods. They burned incense to images. That's how they repaid him. And in verse 3, it says that they didn't even realize who had healed them, right? They were so turned in on themselves that they were blind to all that God had done for them. And and then in verse 7, it, it, it kind of culminates, God, God culminates it all by saying, my people are determined to turn from me. I mean, can you imagine the heartbreak that God the Father must have felt towards his his children. I mean, he was pouring out his love, and in return, he is ignored and taken for granted, forgotten, and rejected. You can imagine how frustrating and sad that must have been. Uh, I would guess that, that many of us can relate, though. Uh, all of us have poured our lives into something or someone, right, only to have that rejected or ignored or taken for granted. Uh, some of you parents know what this is like, right? I, but there are times, uh, maybe... I don't know, maybe you drove two hours to the middle of nowhere in the middle of night on a week night to, uh, to change your kid's tire on the side of the highway somewhere, right? And you made that sacrifice, you got in the car, you were tired, you had to work the next morning, but you drove there because you love your kid and, and you get there, it's the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere, and the first thing out of their mouths is, mom, dad, what took you so long? <laughs> and you're like, don't you see what I'm doing here? <laughs> uh, or, or maybe uh, it was a project at work, Right, you just poured yourself into No one asked you to do it. You were going above and beyond. Uh, you spent evenings and weekends working on this project that you knew would be good for the company and you hand it to your boss. You're so excited, this report you put together and your boss just shrugs her shoulders and the next day you, you go into the office and you see the report in the garbage can. Or, or, or maybe it's just cooking dinner for your family. Like, you work all day, you're tired, the last thing you want to do is stop at the grocery store and put together a meal, but it's important to you. You could just order Chinese, but you want your family to have this home-cooked meal, and so you sit down, it's all prepared, you're exhausted, but you're happy to be together, and then everyone starts nitpicking. Why are there so many vegetables? <laughs> Why is this so burnt, Mom? Why can't we just order pizza? <laughs> right, you know what it's like to pour your life into something only to have it ignored or taken for granted or, or pushed away, and, and that's how God is feeling today for all that he has done for his people they've taken it for granted they've ignored it they've rejected it now i think we're at the point in the message uh where where if we're not squirming in our seats just a little bit i i think something is off If, if we don't read this story today and feel a little uncomfortable then i think maybe we're not being honest with ourselves because what god is saying here to israel is not just an israel problem this is not just an Old Testament ancient person problem, right? What what happens here, what we're reading about, this is a human heart problem. And all of us, I think we could admit, are guilty that all of us have had this amazing love of God poured into our hearts, right? And, and there have been times where we've forgotten about it, where we have been so busy and, and obsessed with ourselves, right, that, that, that we don't even know all that God is doing for us. There have been other times, sadly, when maybe we've even pushed that love away and said, Lord, I don't need it. I can can do it on my own, right? What we read about today is not an Israel problem. It's a human heart problem. And yet what we heard today is that despite this problem that stretches back all the way to Adam and Eve, that we have a God who never gives up. That's why he's writing this letter. Right? Not just to beat the people down, but to comfort them with his love. He says, I I know that that you've ignored me and you've taken me for granted and and you've pushed my love away, but I will continue to love me. That's what he says in verse 9. Check check that out on on page 5. This is what God says in verse 9. At the end of this letter we're reading, or some people have described it as a love poem to his children, God says, I will not carry out my fierce anger, right? He's angry. How could he not be? His, his ch- children have been treating him terribly, but he won't carry that fierce anger out, and he will not devastate Ephraim, which is a, another way to refer to Israel again. He says, for I am God and not a man. He says, I'm not like you, right? I don't respond with anger and And revenge, I'm the holy one among you, and I will not come against their cities. God is different than us, he says. See, when you and I drive out to the middle of nowhere on a weeknight, (laughs) uh, driving two hours, giving up our night, and, and when our kid says to us, what took you so long? What do we say back to them? We say, well, I hope you have a number for a good tow truck, right? And I hope you can afford the Uber back home because we only have so much love to give and, and we can only be rejected or ignored so many times. Or, or when our boss shrugs their shoulders at our special project and we see that lying in the bottom of the garbage can, right? Well, for most of us, there's a breaking point. Eventually, we say, all right, I'm doing the bare minimum. I will not go above and beyond. It's not worth it. Or, or when our family nitpicks our dinner and, Complains about the fact that it's burnt, or that there's too many vegetables, right? Eventually, we let them order the pizza. <laughs> Have it your way. Right? That's how we respond, but not God. He says, For I am God and not a man. I am the Holy One among you. I will not carry out my fierce anger. I will not devastate you. I will not come against their cities. God meets our unfaithfulness with this persistent, faithful love. And no matter how many times we have walked away or, or blinded ourselves to his goodness, he continues to love us so much so that, that he sent his own son, Jesus, into this world to die on a cross. Jesus who would empty himself so that we might be full of his love. These words today, God's letter to us, his children, they are there for our comfort. But I also think <laughs> lying beneath the surface there of our reading for today in this letter, I, I also think that there's a challenge to us. And, and the challenge, I think, that we're faced with when we read this letter is, is that we are called as God's children to love as we've been loved. And I think the challenge for us is to think about those really hard-to-love people in our lives that we need to persistently and faithful pour out that love to, right? And we all... No, you know someone who's hard to love, don't you, right? I'm not the only one. Don't make me feel guilty this morning. We all know someone, right? And, and we all know that there are lots of different kinds of people who are hard to love. There are the nitpicking people who will just nitpick you to death, uh, complain about every little thing. There are the whining, complaining people who, before you even do the nice thing, they're complaining about something, right? Then there are the people who just... Totally take it for granted and never say thank you, right? There are all sorts of people. We all know someone. At least anyone who has ever worked retail knows that sometimes people are hard to love or anyone who's ever had a family (laughs) knows that sometimes people are hard to love. I, I say that because we can be hard to love sometimes, can't we, as family members? Sometimes it's our family's love that we take for granted the most, that we ignore the most or that we reject the most often, right? And so we all know Someone, and we are people who are hard to love. And, and I think the challenge for us today is to love as we have been loved. Uh, I'll, I'll close by giving you just one example, not from my family, because they might listen to this eventually, <laughs> and I do love them. So I'll give you an example from my time in retail. How, how about that? Uh, when I worked at the coffee shop for a number of years, and many of you know that I worked at a coffee shop uh, in college uh, years. Uh, when I worked there, I actually loved the customers. That's why I worked there for uh, as many years as I did. Uh, but there were, as you can imagine, a few A few customers who were difficult to be nice to. And I I remember one in particular. Uh, I'll tell you what we called him because it wasn't his real name. Uh, We referred to him as FedEx Fred uh, because he didn't actually work for FedEx, but he worked for some shipping company. We didn't know his name, so we called him Fred. And FedEx Fred was uh, a tough guy to love. Uh, He would come in uh, many days through the week at the end of his shift And he always had something to say, and because it was the end of his shift, he would just hang out and share all that he had with us. And uh, he was very particular about his latte. He always got a large latte. I remember that like it was yesterday. And he was very particular, and I just remember trying so hard because I wanted to make him happy. He was a tough nut to crack, but I thought, I'm determined uh, to, to be kind to him. And so I'd work so hard, make the latte just to his specifications, which by the way changed every day. It didn't make it any easier. And uh, I remember I would hand him his latte, and every day he would take off the lid and he would stick his finger in the latte. Uh, he wanted to know how deep the foam went, that froth on top. He wanted to know how thick it was and if there was enough of it. And he would kind of swirl it around. Uh, taste it to see if it was okay. And then he always had some complaint, no matter how well I thought I made it. And And then what he would do is he would tell us how we weren't as good at making that latte as all of these other coffee shops he frequented were. And I often wanted to say, well, if there's so much better at it, then feel free to, to go there tomorrow. Uh, I, and the funny thing about it is, so that was... Uh, I stopped working there a a long time ago. About five years after the fact that I had last seen him, I went to another coffee shop, not to work, but just to do some work. And I'm sitting there, minding my own business, working on something, a sermon or something, and I hear this voice. And I think, whose voice is that? And I turn around, and it's FedEx Fred. And uh, so I just go back to my my laptop, right? I I don't remember if I put in my headphones or pretended like I was on the telephone, something, right? I, I didn't want to talk to this guy. And Uh, But eventually he walks over to me and he says, I know you from somewhere, don't I? I said, yeah, I I used to work at this coffee shop in in Mount Prospect and I I think you used to come. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that coffee shop. And then he proceeded to tell me how there were so many other better coffee shops than the one (laughs) uh, that I worked at. And he was a hard person to love. And I I tell you that story because I think we all know people like that. And the truth is we are people like that too. And yet God has loved us. And no matter how many times we have ignored his love or taken his love for granted, right, he has continued to pour his love into us. And it's our calling, it's our challenge today to, to love the other people just like us, people like Fred X. Fred, to continue to show that kindness and that graciousness, that generosity and that mercy to pour out his abundance goodness because that's what he has first done for you and me. In Jesus' name, amen.